and the crowd goes wild. Welcome back, Nantucket. How are you? What a round of applause that was. A standing ovation. Oh, man. I'm excited to be back with you guys. Thank you for clicking. Finally, I'm doing it. I know it seems like it's been a while. Feels like it's been a while. How are you, Ack? Happy February. It's taken me a month to get uh, the podcast up and running. But nonetheless, we're here. You're listening to it. You were just listening to the raucous applause of Wilco. Uh, I went up to Boston on Friday and saw my first concert at the Orpheum Theater. And uh, it was Wilco. And that cheer, that round of applause is the excitement as the band takes the stage. I was, as I was sitting there and the house lights went out, I said, oh, how cool would that be to capture that moment, that energy when the band, you see the band, you're there, shadows of the band members walk out on stage and the crowd goes wild. It's rock and roll and it's awesome. And hopefully that gave you a sense of uh, some of the excitement. I mean, there's nothing better. I can't think of how cool, uh, how awesome that must feel to walk out and onto a stage night after night and hear that applause. What an ego trip. But I felt that would be a cool way to start out episode 26, the first Inside the Whale podcast of 2016. I know it's been a while. Some people have been checking in and out and saying, where's the next episode? What's going on? Are you going to do it? Are you giving up? What took so long? Well, we had the holidays and then January hit and uh, I went away with my family. First time traveling with the kid down to Costa Rica. Big surprise, right? Half of Nantucket's in Costa Rica. But we didn't go to Nosara. We were uh, traveling way down to a town called Manzanillo, which is way down on the Nicoya Peninsula. So uh, it was a little nerve-wracking. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come clean with you. I was a little scared traveling with uh, an infant uh, down those Costa Rican rough, unpaved roads through the jungle. Uh, a little anxiety-promoting uh, uh, but we did it, you know, uh, I was nervous taking off how the trip was going to go, how she was going to do, and uh, she did amazing. But, uh, you know, traveling, I'm new. Traveling with a, a kid is a Herculean effort. I don't know how my parents did it. I'm the youngest of four. I can't imagine traveling with four kids, let alone one, getting through the airport. Do you have your bag? Do you have the stroller? Do you have the car seat? Where's the thing that goes for the that part for the car seat? What bag is that in? I don't know. It got checked. It got checked? No, no, we need that. Why did you check that, stupid? I didn't get called stupid, but uh, traveling with an infant is, uh, is a new experience for me. And uh, I have a new appreciation for fatherhood. And, uh, you know, I think there's something that comes up with traveling when you're the dad and you're driving the family down these roads. You're concerned about safety and you know, you're down in Costa Rica. We're, we're in an area that was pretty remote, too. It wasn't like uh, if there was an issue, you could just run off down to uh, get some medical treatment. Uh, but luckily, that didn't happen. It was a great two weeks, 90-degree day. I love the heat. I think it's because I grew up in Syracuse. I love the heat. I can't get enough of it. 95-degree days. Literally, you do nothing during the day. You surf in the morning, then during the afternoon... It's rum time, and I like that. I think that's something about uh, the tropics and rum. <laughs> and we had a great time traveling down there with some friends, the Currys, if you know them. Great, great travel family. We travel well with them. Had a blast, and then uh, had my first experience, too, of coming back to Boston and not being able to get home, having to do the hotel overnight get up in the morning, get to the car rental, rent the car, drive back, pick the family up, drive back down to Hyannis, and make the boat. Welcome to island life, Doug Cody. <laughs> it sucked, man. I didn't, that sucked. That portion of the trip, just, uh, no bueno. I just wasn't prepared for it. And I know all you people listening are like, get used to it, because that's part of the deal out here. And I'm going to have to get used to it. But getting to Boston and not being able to get home, I found very frustrating. It just was an extra day <laughs> of travel that didn't need to be there. But uh, nonetheless, hey, listen, I'm fortunate enough that we got to go down there. 
I'm glad to be back, though. I'm glad to be back on Nantucket. And the weather is amazing. The winter, we missed that big storm. Some of you were here. Look, I saw a lot of pictures. We, we came, uh, flew in on the back end of that big storm. So we made it back fine. And now it's uh, 55. I think we're hitting 60 today. But I'm not complaining. Are you? How are you guys doing? How's your January? How's your February looking? Are things good? Well, I hope so. I mean, the weather's been fortunate enough. You've been able to go out and work, and hopefully uh, it seems winter. No, it doesn't seem like winter. It's far from winter. It seems like global warming, but I'll take it. It's, uh, I think we're going to hit 60 today. Anyway, folks, thank you for checking in on Inside the Whale. This is episode 26. My guest today is photographer Kit Noble. You guys have probably seen that name around. Kit uh, and I have become friends. We have a project we're going to be working on in a little bit, and I thought he'd be a great uh, a great guest for episode 26, someone that's uh, certainly passionate about photography and uh, really kind of become a, a staple on Nantucket for photography. And we're really glad that he, we, you like how I said that, we? Like there's a, a team in here, uh, people? My God, I'm in, I'm in my bedroom right now because the baby's sleeping, so I have to, and I'm loud. So I have to come in the bedroom so I can yell! Like that, so. Anyway, Kit Noble is our guest, episode 26. Why don't we get to it? Thank you guys for clicking in to Inside the Whale. We've got a great episode for you today. Let's get it. Let's do it. Let's go Inside the Whale. Guys, now you might wait. Show us your crooked jaw. Show us your wrinkled brow. Rise. He rises! podcast magic is this your first podcast uh, i think it is i think it is well i'm glad i'm glad i could i'm it's your virgin uh, <laughs> i can take your podcast virginity um it's all yours all right well here we go we're rolling now so we'll we'll get started we're here with uh kit noble the photographer i was trying to think of uh where where are we going to start today and uh this is the first episode of the year. This is episode 26, and I took some time off, and I've been thinking about, uh, you know, the the way the previous podcasts have gone down. And so, how many how many did you do last year? It was 25. Oh. I had 25, and that's great. Yeah, and I didn't have any sort of like set number that I was specifically trying to hit, but uh, just that's just the way it worked out. So, this, you know, I took some time off. You know, with the holidays and stuff, and now I'm back, so I'm trying to figure out. Uh, you know, I think you're a great person to kick off the year. So congratulations. Well, thank you. Um, you know, because you're you're sort of the name Kit Noble. It, where, let's. Where does that name come from? Uh, that's a good question. See, <laughs> and I'm I doing have, my I... job. I'm first question out of the gate. He's killing it. Let me just say, it was it was a tough name to grow up with because uh, Kit rhymes with a lot of female body parts. So I took a real, real, be- real beating in, uh, you know, in grammar school. Is it a family name? Uh, it is not. Uh, Christopher is, and it's a nickname for Christopher. Okay. Kit Carson was Christopher Carson. Um, I mean, I, I, I looked it up. You know, I checked, I checked on my parents, made sure they weren't just, you know, goofing on me. But um, it is a legitimate nickname in, in England for. Uh, for Christopher. For Christopher, okay. Yeah. And it's one of those names, too, you know, when you get out here, you see you're involved in a lot on Nantucket. You see that name, Kit Noble. It's a very powerful name. And I was like, who is this Kit Noble guy? I keep hearing, and you hear your name a lot around here, because you're involved in a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, try to be. You know, and uh, you're, you're probably, uh, you know, uh, one of the leading photographers out here, let's face it, you know, you've been out in the game. How long have you been on Nantucket? Um, seven years now. Seven Actually, years. Actually, in Feb- February, seven years. And before that, uh, Connecticut, southern, uh, well, Fairfield County, Connecticut. That's where you're from. Uh, northern Connecticut, All right. but but ended up in Southern Connecticut because of work. All right. Well, see, that's yeah. what this. So getting to back to what I was talking about is, I wanted to. What was I going to? How was I going to make this podcast different? A photographer coming in, 
I thought the thing that I want to discuss with you is the the journey of a passion, because obviously photography is an art form, right? And that journey for you when you realize that, wait, I can make a living doing this. Right. That to me is interesting. I really want this, the podcast this year, the new people, to be inspiring to people because I, I know when I listen to podcasts and I hear people's stories, I get inspired. And I think that's the one thing inside the whale can bring is to do that. And for you, I figured let's go back and let's, let's trace your trajectory to where you got into photography, what inspired you to get in photography, and then that moment when you were actually really starting to make a living as a working photographer. Sure. Um, yeah, I think I'm one of the few people when, when you were asked, you know, did you always want to be a photographer? I can answer yes. Um, it, for me, it started when I was uh, 12 years old. Uh, I was living in Singapore with my family. You know, um, Actually, my stepdad was there on business, so I moved to Singapore for two years. And I was just, you know, as you might imagine, just fascinated by what I was seeing. Um, and I wanted to document that so I could bring, you know, bring some imagery back back to the States to show my friends what I had experienced. Um, you know, back in those days, there wasn't any Facebook or anything. So the only way to, you know, physically show people what you were up to or where you were living in this, this foreign country was to, you know, shoot on film, make some prints and, you know, carry those back to the States. Um, so, um, with that, you know, with my, uh, with being in Singapore, um, the next step was getting a camera. Um, electronics, from what I remember, were fairly cheap over in Asia, but still, my parents, you know, um, wanted me to work. You know, work for even at, even at age twelve, wanted me to kind of work work for um, for things that I wanted. So they offered to pay for half the camera. Um, so a buddy in mine in my apartment building, we started a car wash business in Singapore. In Singapore. Yeah, um, <laughs> didn't have didn't have a crazy name or anything, but we just started washing cars in the apartment building, saving my money, and then so there are these two white kids, or was uh, was the other kid a white kid? <laughs> two white, he, he was, he was. So also these two me. white kids in Singapore are are start a car wash, right? Yeah, it was actually it was a front for uh, for a much bigger operation, but, <laughs> um, but that's you know that's where I made made a little, little cash, you know, at age twelve, thirteen, um, and then uh, like I was saying, my parents matched you know, match that amount. So I was able to buy my first SLR camera when I was 13. Wow. Now, had you seen one? You know, like, I remember, like, for me, like, seeing guitars and stuff. I remember being a little kid and seeing a guitar in the corner. Was there a camera that you had seen? You remember thinking, oh, I, oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It, what was um, it? You know, again, it, in in uh, in Singapore, there was all these, all these shops, electronic shops. So I just loved to window shop. I was, you know, I was into electronics even that early on. So I I'd spotted this Olympus... I think it was an OM1, um, you know, at a, at a price range I could could afford, um, and I just yeah, kept my eye on it, um, and that was that was what I went for. So the first one was an Olympus OM1. And I, now, what was your stepdad doing over there? What, how did you? Uh, he worked for Pratt and Whitney Aircraft, um, so you know, engineer, was, uh, inspector for for aircraft engines, um, and for actually for Singapore Airlines at the time. Okay. So they continue. They actually continued to travel overseas for the next twenty years. I I came back after two years and lived with my dad back in Connecticut. So you had it had enough? Was there a falling out? What brought you back? Uh, we just no. I think my parents just decided that they didn't want me to get bounced around too much in terms of my education. Um, so when I was going to start high school, um, the decision was made to to head back to the states. And where was high school? Um, Bristol, Connecticut. Okay, right there on the shoreline, right. Uh, no, actually, is in the sh- uh, kind of mid-state, not not far from Hartford, about fifty minutes outside of Hartford. Okay, I don't know why I thought that was an hour hour from the hour from a beach. So you go back to high school four years there. Now are you into photography then? Yep. Oh yeah. Are yeah. you working for the school paper? Yep. Yearbook. Yearbook. Paper. Um, yeah. I mean, I, again, once I picked that camera up, I wasn't going to put it down. So I got involved in in. Uh, so early on, you're, you're into photography, and what did you, in high school, do you remember what you envisioned yourself doing? Like, did, did you think you were going to be a reporter, or did you, like, who were some of your influences in high school? Oof, that's a good question. Like, I'm trying to, you know, think was it if, like, I, if I had that kind of vision at that point or not. I just, you know, just enjoyed taking pictures. Well, I'm sure at some point there are these things that you see. I mean, I, I would imagine, like... Mag- rock- magazines. I mean, that's what I was, that's what I was thumbing through, um, you know, looking at, looking at, looking at imagery, uh... So I guess I figured I'd be shooting. Portrait? Well, any particular? Or? Portraits, definitely. Um, yeah. What was your first, do you have a, uh, do you remember your first portrait that you shot? 
in high school yeah do you oh, have- i'm sure it was just you know for, it was for the yearbook so it was probably a, you know one of the teachers or something so if we go in bristol connecticut's uh, yearbook does it say uh, it does. you're credited I, as the I am uh, credited nice so you go uh after uh you're into photography. Never, I never thought of that as my first, you know, first time I was published, but but I guess that would be. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, you don't it. think it, but you, I'm sure it had some sort of influence on you, you know, that uh, interaction first time we were going to take someone's picture. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think we should talk a little bit uh, about the the medium back then when you, you know, the, the way we, you had to learn to how to develop the film which was a really tedious task. And I, I took photography in high school and I dodging and burning and, you know. Yeah, they actually, in high school, there was, they only offered one class. So I, I want to say that we used to send our film out. I mean, it could have been to Photomat. I don't so really did, remember. But, but, but did you do darkroom time in high school? No, no, that, that didn't start till college. Okay. Um, you know, it was just photo one and it was more about, you know, learning to use your camera and, you know, shoot pictures. Composition. Composition. Right. Yeah. Contrast, light, all that good stuff. I mean, the technology is advanced, which is something I also did want to talk to you about, the way technology has advanced so much in the photography world that uh, it's changed in a lot of ways. And get your opinion whether it's good or bad. But let's take the cost. So you're, you're shooting pictures uh, in high school. Where do you go to college? I ended up at the University of Bridgeport in Connecticut. Okay. It was not my first choice, but it was a kind of a financial aid decision. Gotcha. I, uh, I had my uh, sights set on Ithaca College, but they didn't come through with the financial aid. But anyway, I mean... So you, you, know. so you did four years at Bridgeport? Or yep. Yeah. They, you know, they had a, a fine arts school there. Um, it was fairly fairly legitimate. Um, but it was also, in the end, it was probably best because I ended up working in that area after college and, and in New York City as well. So did, I was able to make some connections. What kind of stuff? at Photography or journalistic stuff? or? Uh, um, I mean, post college? Yeah, like what? Uh... Um, well, let me just walk you through it. So, um, did four years at the you know University of Bridgeport. Um, at which point, I they didn't I didn't take a lot of business courses, which I regret. Um, I don't think they actually offered them for photography. No, no one actually <laughs> thought of that. So, you right, know, that you're going to need some business <clears throat> skills. Yeah. At some so point. I you know I come out thinking you know I just put my name in the phone book phone book and I'm a photographer and it didn't it didn't work that way. Um, I quickly learned that I needed to do uh, some assisting assisting time work for other photographers. Um, but these were the connections that I made while I was in was in school, um, connecting with a couple of Fairfield County photographers and a couple of New York photographers. So I did. I did go to work in photography, but it was in as, as an assistant, right? You know, holding up the pop lights and stuff and whatnot, right? Yeah, all the grunt light work. meters. Yeah, well, never. I mean, I literally didn't touch a camera for for work for years. Yeah, um, but that's the apprenticeship. That's the yeah. you know. Were there anyone that were uh, notable or influential? Do you like to you? I worked for a couple of corporate guys. I mean, names you, you probably wouldn't know, but um, what I liked about the corporate work is it meant travel as well. So we would, you know, get on a plane for a couple of weeks and, and hit 10 cities shooting for corporate reports. Um, and that was really, you know, really what I got hooked on. It sounds kind of dry, actually. <laughs> but I, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the travel that made it interesting. Well, getting to go, you know, well, I guess yeah. it probably opened your eyes. Right, like, right. hey, you can travel around and make a living shooting pictures. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. I mean, yeah, photographing CEOs and you know, board of directors, <laughs> not the most interesting. But, you know, it was, it was exciting to... You know, go go through airports with all the gear and arrive in these cities, and you know. And when did you? So you start doing? You start working in New York, or just going back working out in New York back and forth from? Connecticut? Uh, worked from Connecticut. Okay. I never made the leap in right into the city, but right I did. In. But I did spend a fair amount of time there. Even as a even when I started shooting, I had a lot of Conne- uh, Connecticut and New York. So was that was that like your full time job? Did you have to supplement it with other jobs, or? I did not. I just want to know if you have any really crappy jobs. That, that's the story I'm looking for, like crappy. No, surprisingly. <laughs> Good for you. Once I graduated, I was able to stick to just, just photography. So. so you so right out of the gate, right out of college, you started working. Yeah. And supporting yourself. Yeah. Which is amazing. I mean, it was lean. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was still sharing an apartment, you know, with two other guys and, you know. Right. Um, it felt a little like college still, but, uh, you know, got by. And how long did that last for? The, the New York shooting? Um, I assisted for close to five years um, before I started shooting, shooting my own stuff. So, you know. So how did you make that? That's always an interesting transformation, I, like before you get the nod to be the lead, the photographer. 
Oh, right, right. You um, know, it wasn't. Like, a, it wasn't a clean break at all. Um, I got to the point where I didn't want to work for certain photographers, so I, I sort of hand selected at that point. You know, guys I really enjoyed working for. Um, which came, I sort of became my part-time job, I guess, was assisting. And then I, you know, I tried to make my full-time job shooting and kind of differentiate between the two. So it was a little bit of a tough crossover because a lot of the, a lot of the clients were the same. So you'd find yourself, you know. Well, they see you as an assistant, not as the photographer. Exactly. Especially in Connecticut. It's a little smaller pool. So I'm going into ad agencies and, you know, trying to find work. And it's I'm, you're I'm, trying I'm to meeting, get your portfolio together. Yeah, and I'm meeting some of, the, some of these art directors I've been on shoots with. I mean, it's, you know, it's the nature of the, nature of the game. So It is, know. but I, I certainly understand the, the, the trickiness of trying to not see yourself as, you know, you're working, you're trying to break away, but these people, well, this guy's an assistant. So yeah. it really takes someone to, and who is that person that gave you the nod? Do you remember the first? Uh, it the was first... Actually, it was a, actually a motorcycle magazine. <laughs> See, well, <laughs> who knew? That's cool. <laughs> yeah, that was right. That was. That so, was, was a mo- little... what was the name of the magazine? Uh, oh God, I'm probably not going to remember. It might come to me. But... Do you remember what the job was? What the shoot was? And yeah, it was to photograph a you know a, a 19. I'm, I'm not really a motorcycle guy, but it was a 1960 something or other. It was ama- some amazing bike. Harley. You know, Twenty. Yeah, some you know twenty thousand dollar bike and. And where was the shoot? Do you remember? And they, and they um, I actually, they had left that up to me, um, and it had because it had a really six, '60s feel and paint job to it. I actually, I found like an old soda shop, and I convinced the owner of the shop to wheel this bike into his, you know. See, that's the cool part is that you get the vision, and all of a sudden you have to put this thing together, and then you're thinking, you know, that was my other question: is like, what keeps the photographer up at night? You know, what is he thinking about? What is a photographer like? What What is... I uh, usually bills, but... <laughs> no, but you know, like, you know, is he thinking about that perfect picture? Is it like an upcoming... Pro- or is he, what does he fantasize about? I mean, that's what that's what gets me up in the morning. Is, You're like, you know, oh, like, I got that idea. I want to put the motorcycle in an old 50s whatever soda, it was. Soda, soda, soda shop. Yeah, yeah. Which um, was cool, because it's... Yeah. I mean, the magazine had, you know, that got me a second job at the magazine. Cause they, there you they, go. They, no one there had ever tried something like that. It was just, they just shot it in the street or whatever. Man, I'd love to be able to pull it up. I wonder if we could find it on the internet, do you think? <laughs> do you have a copy of it somewhere? Uh, I don't think I do anymore. But yeah, it's, I'm curious. It might be, might be on the Beauty of the internet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll just have to remember the name of the, the magazine. I'm sure we could. So, so you get that first job and you're there. Is a client there too? Is the magazine people there? Uh, I don't think they were. They just, they just Because came. I know from my own work working with ad agencies and stuff it can get a lot of chefs in the kitchen and people oh i've certainly had plenty of assignments like that um but this this particular one was not that was not the case they just gave me a phone number of the the bike owner and off i went do you remember how much you paid um i'm gonna <laughs> say i want to say less than 300 bucks is that a mate wow yeah. <laughs> so but i was thrilled i mean you know especially especially when it got published and it was seeing you know, your name like in the a, corner double page spread you know glossy pages oh yeah seeing the name i bet you getty images probably owns it now and they're making millions on right it. <laughs> <laughs> which surprised me that I, st- I don't still have that right that should be framed yeah of wall. course well we're gonna find i'm gonna make you dig that up <laughs> so so after that you start so now you're you're you've graduated you've gotten your name to some ad people and you're starting to shoot right yep <clears throat> bigger jobs yeah yeah bigger and bigger um and i i i sort of fell fell into more of the corporate world that I described earlier. Again, it was it paid much better um, than uh, editorial work, um, and I also I liked to you know just like being on the road. It's I was doing amazing. I was doing a mix, I should say. I mean, I was still doing some editorial work, but at three hundred bucks a hit, it was it was not going to sustain me. So you know, that's the, something that I think a lot of people don't realize. Uh, I've been in a couple of. Um, when I, in New York, I use this term loosely, when in my modeling days, but doing the editorial <laughs> stuff, how little it actually paid for everyone involved. And it was just about the cred. You know, I think people think, oh, wow, you're in, uh, what was it? I think I did one for Forbes magazine or something. And oh, that must have been huge. And it was a really, from the photographer to the talent to everything, it was a really low paying editorial. Traditionally, just pays really crappy. Yeah. Yeah, so right. going after the corporate stuff is what pays, probably right. That's exactly, and some you know, I just starting to do some advertising stuff as well. What agencies were you working with? Uh, they were Connecticut, Connecticut agencies, Mince and Hoke. That's um, that's good. Those are smaller ones. You don't wasn't yeah. like Ogilvy or Saatchi or the. Big... I went. I, I did drop portfolios there. It was it was nerve wracking. Um, and this is you know again back in the day where you know you didn't just connect with them through email or 
Facebook. So you had to go in there with your portfolio. Yeah, or FedEx it, you know. To an art director. Yeah. And, you know, and I, you don't even know if they get looked at. You know, it's not like I was accompanying the the portfolio and walking into their office. They're like, oh, just send it in. We, you know, we look at portfolios on Friday. So I used to rig the portfolio just, you know, in a certain order or put sort of put a piece of paper in there, something that I would tell me when it came back to me if they'd actually looked at it. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and a lot of times they didn't. It was just, it was, it was tough, you know. It is tough. And, you know, I, I can certainly appreciate that because, you know, as an actor in New York, you used to, I remember sending out headshots to all these agents and, and you would just do anything to get noticed. And I remember I got some really shitty advice once. This guy's like, you got to get their attention. He's like, you know, draw on your headshot. <laughs> so I drew on my headshot. <laughs> I drew like a, a arrow through my head. It was so <laughs> the worst advice. Brilliant, brilliant. All I could think about is what some, must have, some assistant opening up this headshot from Doug Cody. And it's like... <laughs> I'm sure that's still pinned to the wall somewhere. Oh, my God. But you do. You have to just, you know, hustle it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Connecticut was, was much friendlier. Um, because I'd made some connections, but also just smaller agencies where you could actually drive there and they would, you know, they'd give you five or 10 minutes to, to show your book. And so on, so while you're doing all this, the the editorial or not editorial, you're doing the corporate stuff. Would you shoot on weekends and stuff? Like, does it, is it the kind of thing like on the weekend you'd have your side projects going? Yeah. I mean, especially if it was a quiet couple of weeks, I I just, I, you know, I wanted to keep, you know, I just didn't know. Are you the kind of guy that's always shooting like. On your day off, you might just go out and grab. Your I wouldn't camera. say always, but yeah, especially if I haven't shot a project. It, it you know, I, don't, I didn't want to get rusty. I just wanted to, you know, run some film through the camera and you know, keep my eyes sharp. So I would create, you know, maybe create assignments for myself, um, stuff that could improve my portfolio, that might that might look like I had shot it for you know for someone. Right. An exactly. Job, yeah. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Do like almost spec ads, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I find a friend or a model and just go in and, you know, and do some find shooting. an interesting location. Yeah, just continue to work on my portfolio. And uh, I'm just curious, who are some of your influences? Who are some of your, like, photographers that you like? Uh, probably Richard Avedon. That's what I was, you know, following a lot in, in uh So for those people don't, who don't know Richard Avedon. Well, he's probably the, the greatest fashion photographer of all time. I, I think so. Um, and also a portrait photographer. You know, I had one of his, you know, one of his books, his hardcover books at my... Um, I think I had it in my, in my dorm room. He was so a big... Yeah. He's, he's a big deal. I actually knew a guy that was his assistant, a kid. He had a lot of assist, a lot of uh, male assistants. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I know that... I, I had never he- heard that name until I met one of his assistants, and I went on the interweb and looked up his work, and he certainly shot a lot of big people. That's very portrait-based. Yeah, Annie Leibovitz was another, you know... A little, you know, a little more modern time, and a guy named Mark Seliger, who I, I think is still chief photographer at Rolling Stone. Annie Leibovitz is is interesting to me. Her, you know, you can, her work you can almost pick it out. It looks like a Leibovitz type shot, yes, right? Yep. And as even as her styles change through the years, it's still, you know, still you could still tell her work. Yeah. You know, she was the one that started leaving equipment or some of her gear in the shots. You know, suddenly you're seeing the apple the, apple boxes. Uh, yeah, or the yeah, right, the side of the the backdrop or the a couple light stands. She um, was the one that did I, that. I, I, that's where I first. I, I you know I don't know. If I'm it's right. interesting. I never thought about that though. But leaving the gear as part of the composition in the shot. Yeah, yeah. I, that's where I first noticed it. I mean, I don't. What she, a subtle way to say this is a little more organic than some staged. Exactly. Uh, Richard Avedon is pretty glossy, right? Or yeah, yeah. What do you think of Terry Richardson? Now, who's Terry Richardson? That's probably a name I should definitely know, right? He was just a guy. He's a New York photographer that uh, fashion and stuff. And old old school? or Not current? old school. Probably like ni- uh, late 80s, 90s. Has a mustache. He looks kind of like this. Uh, he's kind of got a wild persona, too. But he he shot Lady Gaga. He's fat, portrait fashion stuff. I guess I, these are some of the people that I... I mean, I just wondered if you'd follow their work or... Like now the books I was thinking of Robert Frank the Americans. Yep. That that was one of the uh you know I had that book. Went Gary Winogrand. You ever you you know, you're more than I do. <laughs> these are just some some of these sound Well, see I went through like a photography phase. I chase rabbit holes. I get into like I geek out and I'll just get into like portrait photography and I'll go and that's the thing the cool thing about the time living about in, in New York is that you could just go to these like the Strand bookshop and just look through all these awesome photography books. 
but I remember I, I, I bought the Gary Winogrand uh, portrait and, and Robert Frank, the Americans. That was in my photography phase. But those are all like, I guess, well or more, more known photographers. But I mean, as far as yours concerned, people like Annie Leibovitz were the people that you saw. That was my question. People that were inspiring you. Yeah, at the time. Yeah. And now, uh, when do, so how do we get to Nantucket? How does it lead the photography, get you out here? Well, I did uh, 20, uh, maybe 25 years in Connecticut and New York. Um, and then came to, uh, in 2009, came out to Nantucket um, with a girlfriend. Um, she had been hired by the hospital here. So I had just, you been here before? Um, just on vacation. Not a ton. I mean, I hadn't summered here since I was a kid or anything, right. anything like that. But I'd been out here probably th- three or four times on vacation. Um, and I was just, you know, um, you know, 2008 happened. And um, it's so funny. Everyone, everyone references 2008. I hear that date out here so frequently. Yeah. So when, um, when in 2009 it came up, that we had this opportunity to move to Nantucket. It wasn't, you know, my work had not had not come back. It was, you know, it was, photography world was really slow. So I said, you know, maybe this is this is the time to, to try something else, try something new. Um, so I just went for it. You mean how slow was it? Was it like literally? You're like, I don't know if I can pay my rent. That kind of slow, um, or just a little? Yeah, well, pretty close. Not quite that bad. I mean, I was I was paying rent, paying for my car, you know, feeding myself. But it was it was scary. It was, it was scary, scary. yeah. Because I mean, the first thing they cut is advertising. You know, companies. Absolutely, so, it's so the first thing to do. They reuse old ads, or yeah, yeah, exactly. So I just uh, you know went for it. Um, actually, kept my studio in Connecticut open for two additional years and, and commuted. From Nantucket, back and forth. Oh, that was a that was a grind. Glutton for punishment. Not right? not on a daily basis. That would. <laughs> so, what was your studio? Was it a loft studio? What was it? Was would you shoot in it or? Yeah, yeah. It was just, it was a down. It was actually a, a converted uh, garage, large garage, um, like a commercial. I don't know who was in there before. Maybe an electric electrical company. But or you something. could keep all your gear there. And... Yeah, and then upstairs I had an, uh, an office I shared with a designer. Um, but I, you know, in, in making the transition in Nantucket, I just, I couldn't give up, even though it was slow, I couldn't give up that work either. Right. So twice a month I would, I would, uh, commute to Connecticut for four or five days and try to load up, you know, load up shoots. So how, how did it work for you making the connections out here to Nantucket to get into the point where you're the end magazines from your, uh. Are you the senior photo editor? Chief, uh, chief is chief photographer. Chief photographer, ladies and gentlemen, sitting down with the chief. I should have introed with that, <laughs> which is great. I mean, hey, listen, your your work certainly speaks for itself, you know, which is great. But how did you? Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, it was slow going here when when I arrived, as you might expect, not knowing anyone. Um, I mean, I, I knew I had a solid portfolio coming from New York and Connecticut, um, but that you know. People are loyal out here, which I think is great. You know, right. so they they were happy to look at my work, but they had people they were working with already. Um, but N Magazine did give me early on did give me a couple of assignments, um, which was great. No, uh, that was the first foray foray into that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was doing. I was. I started doing some real estate work. Um, what else did I do? I was shooting for some of the restaurants. That may have been my first job out here. I think was was Orrin Moore hired me to to, to update their website. Really? Yeah, I think it was the first call I got. I was pretty excited. There you about go, it. Orrin Moore. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I, I owe it all to Orrin Moore. And when people ask what my favorite restaurant, I say Orrin Moore. Orrin Moore. <laughs> Not only because they get you know fabulous food, but uh, they do have fabulous food actually. <clears throat> um, but also because they were you know the first to give me a give me a break out here. Um, the food's good, but I'm always still a little hungry. They don't give you a big portion size. It's all about the taste. And plate looks great. Though, the plate it? the plate looks great. But I'm always a little hungry after it still. So like sushi but uh so you start shooting and then your name gets passed around is that what happened yeah Yeah. again slow going i mean it's been seven years but um i i I was able to give up uh or should i say shut down my studio in connecticut after two years um where i was getting enough work here um to stop that commute to stop that commute and move here full time yeah so I wanted to ask you, uh, this is more about the technical side of photography. Were you, there, you were there in the transition from, from digital, you know, from, from film to digital, right? Yeah. So I mean, at this point, I'd st- I've still shot more on film than digital. I, wherever, that, you know, wherever that break was, I was you know, 25, 
So maybe it's actually probably closer to 50-50 now in terms of shooting film versus digital. And were you in, in career. early on were you doing the developing yourself too? Did you did no. you have a dark room? No. You so you didn't do God, that. No. <laughs> I did a ton of that in college and I just ugh. It's so tedious. Yeah. It, yeah. So you're um, a, you're a huge fan of digitalization. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I, for my um, the days when I was still shooting film outside of college, I you know I just there was labs that took care of that. Yeah. Um, it's amazing to me though, and I and I find this in not only in music but film and certainly photography. But I always like, do you think digitalization has helped the medium of photography? Yes. <laughs> now, you, now you're going to ask why <laughs> or, well, how, or well, how. This is my this is my contention. So. I've been on photo shoots, right? And we're, you know, you have a memory card. You can get fifteen hundred shots. And I talked to this uh, with Jonathan Nimmerfro, the yep. uh, Slurpee famed Nantucket Slurpee Wave photographer, about this too. But you know, with fifteen hundred exposures, or we can call them images. They're not even expo- well, they're pictures. You can get a good shot in there. So I think it's my contention that now. And maybe someone with not the best eye, with 1,500 opportunities to pick something to get that one shot, your chances are better. So in some ways, the medium maybe has become marginalized. Do you agree or disagree? I, oh, I totally agree with that. And not only that, but, the, um, but digital imagery is, um, has more latitude. So when you, when you were shooting on film, you had to be a lot more accurate and with your exposures. Um, if you were off by two stops, you, you, know, you were in trouble. And here, I, I don't even know what it is now, but here, you know, with with uh, with digital, you know, you can do a lot more forgiving, maybe up to five stops. So technically, you don't you don't have to be a sound either. Um, so there you go. That that supports my argument. So and it almost uh, I, I maybe marginalized isn't the word because there's still you still have to have. I get it. I'm not naive enough to think that you still have to have the eye. You have to be able to. St- Knowing that moment's coming, right? You have to, yeah. From where I'm, yeah, from where I'm sitting, I have to believe that. Um, we we had a, a running joke in Connecticut that we were competing get competing against MWCs, which which was moms with cameras, because <laughs> uh, especially in Fairfield County, they would you know these um, wealthy moms um, would be given you know cameras by their husbands for Christmas. And Honey, here's your. I'm, I'm pulling up. I'm showing Kit my my 7D. <laughs> Oh, beautiful. Yeah, so they have these great cameras, and then they, they would, you know, consider themselves photographers, and suddenly I was competing, you know, for certain types of work. I was competing with, with moms with cameras. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it just, you know, now even someone with, even an amateur with a, a decent camera in his hand has a memory card, and a, he can get that picture and so it also cuts away in business you know I remember I had a friend uh, who worked for an ad agency and he was just seeing that his work dwindled too because now a lot of um, companies that normally would hire the ad agency to do the photo shoot will we can just we'll just get a camera and we'll have so and so my nephew's got a great camera he can let's get him yeah he can come in and do it and cheap and and he's cheap so you saw that you know so I guess uh, one of my questions was how how does someone like yourself how do you stay relevant with that kind of competing against that you know um, I think of two two things uh, I continue doing portraits which I think you need even with a even with a great having great equipment you still need to have a rapport with people when you're shooting portraits um, and also lighting um, especially on a tuck there's not a there's not a lot of photographers out here that um, work with Studio lighting, right? So I've, that was that was a craft that I brought, you know, from. You brought your own studio. Yeah. Sorry. You can you can hear me now. Yeah, I'm just making <laughs> sure. Check my levels. Listen, I'm going to be pro in 2016. So you brought your gear out here. Yeah. So I think so now now I'm crafting with light. Um, so my I think my uh, I don't think, but I, I know my imagery is a little more I, a little more interesting because of that. Um, but also again the. Um, working with people it's you know people can you can't just pick up a camera and, and become a portrait photographer i think there's a lot more to it mm-hmm. the, so that yeah i mean making your subject comfortable you know this it's just a you know years of experience that that went into that yeah i, I can imagine like making that that the the dynamic has to be a very mutually yeah people are uncomfortable you, you know as soon as you pull the camera out 
Have you ever had, what's your most uncomfortable photo shoot you've had? <laughs> well, that's a question I've never had before. Uh, I don't know. One that was uh, really... Uncomfortable just... for them or uncomfortable for me? For you. I like think... when you're like, oh, man. I've had some weird, really weird ones where it was uh, photographing a guy at a company, and uh, he told me how he was going to pose. <laughs> Dude, um, it's so awkward. Oh, it's great. He goes, this is what we're going to do. And I'm like, oh, okay. I figured, you know, I'll give him, I'll give I'll him, give him a, chance. Yeah, I'll give him a chance before I do it right, you know. And he, we, you know, we're, uh, so anyway, he would, he would, he'd, he'd look away. He'd look away <laughs> no from the camera way. and he, he'd go, are you ready? And I go, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm set. Let's do it. And he'd turn towards the camera and he'd go, hi, how are you? And he did no this, way. he did this like 50 times in a row. Were you like, oh my God, dude. Hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? <laughs> I wanted to ask him where he learned this. Where, he probably likes, honey. Here's what you do if you want your picture taken. Hi, how are you? You know, this sort of this. Were you laughing? Were you like, no, I couldn't. Yeah, you know, no. You're like, that's a great idea, but I think we're gonna just. How about just something a little more non? Oh no! Like I said, I let him do it 50 times, and I said, let's try. Let's try a couple other. Yeah, a couple so he'd other. look away and go, "Hi, how are you?" Yeah. He wanted, he he was trying to look natural. I mean, you know, maybe it, maybe it worked. I don't know. It was just it oh, was God, odd. If you it was have odd. it, I would love to know. I'd love to see that photo. Well, you, what you need is the video, not the, the photo. The video. Yeah. Hi, how are you? That's a great story. Yeah. Hi, how are you? That is awkward. Do you remember if you? The irony would be if you used one of the hi, how are you selects. Could have been. <laughs> Could have been. Oh man, and that's an interesting dynamic too. When you go in there and you have to shoot someone, and you have no rapport, and you're just a photographer hired to take this person's picture. Yeah, and they're really awkwardly uncomfortable, or they're just not attractive people. And <laughs> and you know, I don't mean that in a mean way. It's just, I mean, that's what you're up against. And I've had to go back and reshoot because they didn't like the photo, and I'm and I'm like. You know, because yeah, of, because of how, because a... of how the, how they looked, and I'm like, well, what are we what are we going to change? What are we going to change? I can't that's give always, you a nose job. <laughs> yeah, that's always been my policy. You know, I, I don't I don't enjoy reshooting anything, but if we're, but if we're gonna reshoot, there's something different has got to you know got to happen. Either you know whether it's a location issue or a physical you know physical issue for them, something something's got to be different. So with the end magazine stuff, you've gotten to shoot some pretty cool stuff. Over yeah. the years, right? Yeah, and it's getting who? Who have you shot now? Did you do the Ron Howard one? I did. That, that was where I was going to go. It was probably you know in terms of a, a thrill, a, a thrill for me. I mean, I of course. Grew, up, grew up with with Ron Howard, so that was a, that was a really big deal. A lot of the a lot of the covers, um, we always try to get access to the to the our cover shoots, but um, our subjects. Um, but a lot of times we can't. You know, it seems like the more popular they are, they've they've got plenty of photography in their their library so you know their agent just sends us sends stock huh that's kind of frustrating it is it is frustrating um but that was a big one who else who are some more memorable ones that you some work that you've done that you're really proud of for the for the magazine yeah for the magazine i I mean i really enjoyed uh photographing artists here um, and that, of course, you're going you're to quiz me in, on names and stuff. No, you don't have. I, mean, um, I'll just, I just but was that's, curious. That's, who... that's a subject matter I'm really, you know, I really enjoy. Um, and they, they generally are more comfortable people, I find. You know, I guess because you're photographing them with something. Mm-hmm. As opposed to a prop. Just, a prop. Yeah. Right. People tend to be more comfortable when they have a prop where they're, you know, they're showing you something that they do as opposed to just, photo, you know, just photographing their face. Yeah. Now, I'm curious, are there any things that, that you haven't gotten to photograph yet that you're dying to? Is there something that you're, you know, something that you've always wanted to photograph that you haven't had a chance or an opportunity to? I can't say anything specific, but stuff comes up where I still get excited. But you do, you do want to do portrait stuff. You... Yeah, that's, and that's what I really enjoy at the magazine. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's all portrait work. Yeah. And good stuff too. I mean, it's definitely, definitely on your mark there. And they, they run it, you know, they run the images you know, double page and yeah. I mean, it's a great know, as a photographer. I mean, look at the spread. It's a big format. Great, you know, great paper stock and great, really great printing. That magazine's got to be expensive to produce. It is. It is right. It is. Yeah. It's like it's not a it's it's not a money maker. I mean, we we, it, we it's a break even. You know, with the, the money we make in advertising, all goes goes right back into it. Yeah, it goes right back into the you know printing costs and salaries and, and the like. Yeah. And so let's, speaking of uh, projects, let's talk about the Nantucket by Nature. 
Uh, going back a few years. But, you know, I've seen it, and I think most Nantucket has seen it. You know, it's a pretty exceptional piece of work that you must be pretty proud of. Yeah, and it was, it was a really interesting time for me, too. Um, I think I mentioned uh, that I um, came to Nantucket in a relationship, and that it just, you know, after five months, I just imploded. Um, Ouch, and I had, what happened? And I had, <laughs> is she still here? Uh, she is not. She was, she was voted off the island. She was voted off the island, and Kit stayed. Ooh. Which is interesting. Now, this is interesting. Well, because we came for her, her job, and I ended up, you know, ended up being the one who stayed. But there was a period right, right is when... Is it cool it, with her now? Is it, is it cool, or you have no idea? No idea. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, well, we'll, we'll, good, good. we'll just leave it at it's cool. Um, anyway, getting back to me, I'll talk about nature. Um, so there was this, there was this moment in time where, you know, this, this relationship had imploded and I had the decision to make, like, you know, do I go back to Connecticut with my tail between my legs or do I try to make, make something happen here? Um, so I, you know, I, um, I ended up, I ended up living in a garage for a month, um, you know, because I left, I left the house that we were living in, and it was the middle of August. It was, you know, there was no housing yeah, to be found, and you know, someone said, "Well, I got a garage," and I'm not talking about a garage apartment. I'm talking about a cement garage. <laughs> it was a garage. There was, I think, gas there was, cans and yeah, yeah. There lawnmowers. was a there was a, wall, a a makeshift wall with a bed behind it, but that was, you know, and that was a really interesting time. I'm just just sitting there thinking, like, you know, what what do I want to do? And I said, just just settle down, take one month, um, and that's when I came up with the idea for Nantucket by Nature. Was, huh. was sitting in that garage, thinking about oh, I've... what what could I what could I do here? Um, you know, this was early. You know, this I hadn't been here long enough to establish a photography business. Um, I was still commuting to Connecticut at that point, but I wanted I needed a project that would keep me here. Uh, and for, and the, obviously, the nature the landscape is one of the most amazing in the world here. Yeah, and I was <laughs> I was I was actually shocked that no one had done a film like that. You know, because if you ask people, you know, what's your you know, what's your favorite thing about Nantucket? They you know, usually the first first second answer is the beauty. The beauty. I'm like, so where's the? So know? where did you start? How does that process work? You get the idea that you want to make this uh, essentially a nature movie. Yeah, um, I went actually went back to Connecticut to a, a buddy of mine um, and asked if I could borrow some money because it was going to be a fairly su- substantial, you know, to, to sustain me for a year of shooting. I needed. I didn't. Have, I had no film equipment. Nothing. Um, yeah, nothing. Um, but he was a, he was a high school friend. He very well off, and not so, a lot of experience shooting film, right? At that point, none, no none. <laughs> but this, <laughs> which is amazing, it's a bit of a crazy idea. But I just you know I'd always I'd always been intrigued by film, um, so I figured this was this was going to be my opportunity to do that. Um, so I came back to back to the island with with some money uh, for the project, bought the camera, uh, and that basically just camera, some sound equipment, and a, you know a good tripod for the. Now, did you come up with a storyline? What was your what was your storyline in your head for it? Like, how do you it tell was, the was, story of nature on Nantucket? Um, right. I mean, that, that's what we're talking about. It's like how it was you... initially it was just to capture everything here, you know, the net, the natural sense of, of Nantucket. Um, I, there wasn't an actual storyline. It was just to just get as much footage of this incredible place and sunrises and sunsets and. Um, even even you know chasing animals around but i think the thing that's interesting about it to me is the amount of time you know that that goes into it that i don't think people necessarily think about like and we talked a little bit before when we were hanging out how you know you had to get up at six and or five thirty in the morning like to capture all those images the amount of like man hours it took Give us a sense of that. Yeah, I mean, it was you know it was more like in the summer months it was more like four thirty if you wanted to catch a sunrise, um, and then you, you know like I was telling you you'd, you'd plan for this you'd get up get out get up early make a cup of coffee jump in the car go to a location and you know there was no guarantee you were gonna get the shot you know just getting ready for for the sun to come up the cameras in place and all of a sudden some clouds roll in and you're you're shot you're done. Um, pack it up, go home, try again the next and, day. And, how and there many, was, I did, I did this like for, that. I did this for 14 months and so, I was, I would say most, I'd get up most mornings to shoot something. Were you ever defeated? Like, I don't think I can do this. Did you ever have that moment? No, I don't think so. No. It was every, every morning was still exciting, you know, despite what, you know, it's still, you know, it's still great to be out of bed that early and be up and out and be on Nantucket. You're pretty even keeled. I mean, do you ever get like 
really pissed off and lose your temper? Uh, no. In- internally, I do. You do? If you understand that. Like, what, I, 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 don't, I don't necessarily explode. Yeah. People are always shocked when I tell them I have a temper. They're like, I'm, you know. Yeah, I can't I'm, see I've it. I've never but, seen it. But that but makes it, it even scarier. <laughs> yeah, the one day it does. I, I hope I never see it. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I see. You know, just I wanted people to get a sense of the amount of man time it took to make that. You know, and uh, you know the the eye of being able to set that shot up and why you picked that particular shot, that location. You know how that process evolved. Yeah, I mean, where it really got tricky is now I had all this great footage, and it was like, well, how do I put this together? How do I tell a story? Um, and that's when I came up with the idea of chapters. Um, I was able to break down all the footage into 12 chapters. They sort of fit into into those categories. That's an aha moment. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> uh-huh. because I really didn't, I really didn't. You know, I just gonna, I was just going to string it together and hope for the best. Hope for the best. And, um, and this made it a little more cohesive. Yeah. And then absolutely. and then there was the whole music aspect. Um, I had spent uh, a lot of time interviewing probably you know, every musician on the island. Um, I just I, th- I thought that'd be a cool a cool way to present the, present the footage with with Nantucket musicians, um, and that that actually proved to be a bit of a struggle as well. Um, a lot of great musicians, but not a, not not a lot of musicians with with studio time. You know, to just go sit in the studio. And- uh, well, no, just to be able to play to something specific, like a click like a click track. A, yeah, I gotcha. You, yeah, you probably understand that better, yeah. better than I track, did. A click track is basically just like a, a metronome or a, something keeping the time. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, again, a lot of great musicians that just that play play great out at gigs, but when you put them in a studio and say play to the click, click track, they're just, you know, you watch their eyes roll back. And Anyway, so it was very challenging. And then uh, I met Jamie Howarth, um, who acted as the music director. Not acted as, but he became my music director. And yeah. he, was, he was able to bring in a couple of... Uh, Guys, that, Cup, yeah, a couple of guys that could work yeah. could work in the studio. Um, Jamie certainly knows his stuff, yeah, and, he'll t- and he's not yeah. afraid to tell you about it, right? <laughs> Real easy guy to work with. He's a pro, though, man. He's a Jamie's a pro. You know? Yeah, no, I was, and it was it was beautiful. I mean, it was it was nerve wracking at times. You know, waiting for for you know music to you know for him to deliver the music it was and then right put up. it together and. Yeah, did you edit and he, it yourself? And he and he and, he and my uh, editor didn't get along, and it was it so was, you had an editor, you didn't do. It yeah. yourself no I, I was not an editor I'm still not an editor um, I really I really believe that, that is a real craft so I you know I, ha- I found an editor off island on a recommendation um, and he was he was great uh, I still work with him but he and he and Jamie butted heads um, and it was I was stuck in the middle and as was, a referee yeah and again my first film I'm like what the what the hell man I, I just you know let's just make this work I mean you did a great job and it's circulated now worldwide is it I'm sure it's out there somewhere, right? Well, we've yeah. got to get it on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, people are buying it here in the bookstores, and where where it goes from there, I don't know. But I'm sure, you know, I'm sure it's out there. That would be the next step. You need the distribution deal, right? iTunes or Netflix. Or yeah. Is it uploaded to YouTube or anything like Amazon? that? No, no. It needs yeah. to be. Yeah, you should totally do that. Yeah. There's money out there. Yep. It's free money, Kit. You did the work. Yeah, it took you a year, right? Year and change. Yeah, well, yeah, probably a year and a half. Year and a half, all in. So that was your first foray into film, and then you're starting to do more documentaries. Yeah, I did a my uh, was that the second the second uh, documentary I did was um, actually with in conjunction with the Dreamland. We did a film called Nantucket 24, um, where we in, in one day we had um, I think we had 70 filmmakers. Filmmakers, I say in quotes, but pe- people who are interested in shooting some footage for us on one given day, and they all submitted their film, and we put it we put it together. The day 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 in the life of Nantucket. Of Nantucket, yeah. Which is good. I mean, you have a lot of these other projects going on. We should probably talk about your uh, the short film festival. Yeah, um, that you you started that. Yeah, uh, with a couple other people, um, Dan Driscoll and Lance Kelly and um, Lisa Fry. Um, yeah, we just we wanted a platform. Um, kind of off season to show you know to show our films um, and the art festival seemed like a really good time to do that I mean they didn't have a they didn't have a film component to the Nantucket Art Festival so we you know we asked them if that would work and they thought it was a great idea so we you know the four of us met and created the the shorts festival and you had the last one was this October right yeah 
always falls in October. Um, and we're just, you know, the, our biggest challenge f- um, for that particular um, event is getting people to create films. Right. I mean, it, it's certainly gotten easier, meaning that the technology and the, the affordability of equipment. Um, and but just getting people to go out there and shoot something. Yeah. I mean, people, oh, yeah, I'll, you know, a lot of people say I'll make a film and you procrastinate and then, and then you realize it's, it's not, you know, it's not going to take one weekend. Oh, man. It's film is tedious, you know, as you know. And that's maybe the uh, the difference. Well, photography is a little more instant, maybe the 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 process. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you can just shoot it and turn it over to the art director or whatever, and you're done with and it. And you're done with it. Whereas film, you have sound, light. You have a lot of different components. Right. Music, music. It's just more cooks in the kitchen, I guess, as they say. Yeah. So um, I guess the thing we should talk about too is uh, where. Uh, you want to start shooting, you know, now what's coming up? Um, well, right now I'm working on, Oh, I know what I want. I'm sorry. I want to talk to you about the drones. <laughs> That's what I want to talk to you about. I'm you sorry. Said, did you say drones, plural <laughs> drones? Because, because you were one of the first guys out here that had dr- drone photography is what I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah. Because um, I did, uh, just, just to take a quick step back. I, um, I, I hired a guy out of, out of New York city to do drone work for Nantucket by nature. That was the first time I saw it done, and I was pretty fascinated. I'm like, well, I can't be that difficult. Um, <laughs> so, so the next, uh, I think it was the next season, um, I invested in my my first drone. Now if you you know if you know anything about drones and prices, um, it was it was pretty ridiculous. But my my first drone was twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> there. <laughs> I just I just bought one as a backup the other day, like as a backup drone for five hundred bucks. Oh my god, twenty thousand to five hundred. Yeah, I mean a, a good, you know, something for for shooting for a film is you know closer to two grand. But you can get, like I said, I, I bought a backup one in case something happens, mine breaks or goes in the water. Um, I've got a, a second drone now, that which I is can, a great story. Yeah. What, what was that one? You bought the drone and it crashed into the water. Oh, I've, I put three in the water. I think I think. Uh, I think everyone out here with with drones has, has got a story like that. It's just you know whether batteries fail. Um, I mean any number of reasons. It really um, has become a new medium though in photography. Oh yeah, it's fa- it's it's I love it. It's, you do. What do you love about it? Just at that point of view, um, and it also you know it it also acts as a dolly. You know when you want to just track with a car or mm-hmm. um, even track with a person in a bike, something like that. But probably the bird's eye view is just really interesting. Yeah, I think that's the thing that drones have sort of tapped into this sort of imagination now of, of birds, you know, of flight. Yeah. You know, you really get that perspective. And it's gotten so big, you know, and uh, it's certainly unique, you know, and you can see it in, obviously in you know, Nantucket by Nature and stuff. And the, you were just shooting some other stuff, right, with drones? Yeah, I was out uh, on Mesquite Island recently uh, photographing or filming the seals. Which is a great way to. I shot from the. Um, I shot from the ground as well, but the, the the view from the air just really gave an idea. Give you a good idea of the number of seals that are out there in January. Yeah, and give us an idea. <laughs> is it? It's pretty intense, right? Yeah, thousands, thousands. I mean, it's it's crazy. I, I felt like I was shooting for Nat Geo. I mean, it was just you know we climbed off the boat and it was just this stench oh. of afterbirth and oh, it was just it was nasty and which is you know. I'm literally climbing over seals to get to get up on the beach. And were they running from you, or they're just, um, or they they're sort of just like docile. They hit, they hiss and basically spit at you, um, but they they'll they'll move out of your way. <laughs> it feels like if, if at first it feels like they're going to attack. I mean, they 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 show you their teeth and they're hissing and you're like, you know. Did you have someone that knew the? the I did. Like, I was out there with Crocker Snow, who's who uh, owns two thirds of uh, Muskegon. Okay. Um, so he, I was out there with him. So he he warned me, but it's still it's still shocking. I bet. And that so that drone footage is pretty intense when you get to see it from that view, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're just all over the beach. They're even inland, which is you know part of the problem now. It's pretty amazing though that the the drones are. Is yours registered? All the registration. Uh, that's FA? happening. That's happening right now. Um, I haven't registered mine yet. Um, I think. Get when the deadline is. Is that by choice, or is like you want to? Yeah, the the rules are still still changing. Like by the day, you know, the actual registration is, you know, they're still working on it. So I was I was told to just wait to the last minute so that it's things are really finalized. Yeah, I mean, certainly it's uh, a 
very fast growing field, you know, especially which is why they can't figure out what to, you know, how to regulate it because so many people are buying them now. Yeah, and yeah, they're they're inexpensive and. You were one of the first guys out here that was using drones, right? I believe I was the first, yes. The first. Yeah. The, that was the $20,000. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> I did sell that for $1,800, so I felt pretty good about that. So you made some, you made some of the investment back. Thank yes. God. Jeez. <laughs> so what are some other projects you have going on here on Nantucket? Tell me, tell me some of the, the, the perks of being a photographer on Nantucket. What do you... Uh, probably access to places and some of these amazing homes... Um, but also access to people, you know, especially through the magazine. You know, when we're doing we're doing stories, they'll you know, we just have this. You know, when you say Nantucket Magazine, the door opens and you get you know you get good good stuff. Um, but also, like I was saying, the I do a fair amount of real estate and uh, architectural photography, so I you know I get into these incredible homes. Yeah, I'm sure that there's a different sort of mindset you have to go into too when you're shooting a home versus shooting, you know, a person, right? You go like, how do I capture? Or do you think of it as the same? What's your process? Uh, no, I would say it's it's um, it's less stressful because uh, it's just it's just well, homes don't talk back. Exactly, right. <laughs> what did the guy say? Thank you. No. <laughs> what was what was what did the guy say? Hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? <laughs> Houses don't go. Hey, how are you? Some of them do. Yeah, um, but it's yeah, it's just it's just it's just me and you know me a tripod and uh, in the the house for the most part. So I've got all you know as much time as I need. Um, you know, you're right. I don't have the pressure of someone kind of looking at me going, "What do you want me to do?" Yeah. Um, so if you weren't a photographer, what do you think you'd be doing? What are your other what do you, what what are you into? Um, I get, I, I've gotten that question before, and I um I'd probably do who so, I'd who, prob- who gave you that question? That's my question. <laughs> I'd probably do search and rescue. I, was, I just I love the outdoors, um, and I just I, I just love Coast Guard kind of stuff. Helicopters and you know ropes and you know we kind of look like a helicopter pilot. So maybe that would be your next step. Maybe you start taking some helicopter lessons. Yeah, I think that's another reason I really enjoy the drone is because that that allowed me to fly without becoming a you know an actual pilot. Yeah. Then do you wear when you run the drone? Do you wear goggles like the? Uh, no, but I have a um, an iPad screen on the controller. That's so showing. So I'm, I'm seeing point of view of the helicopter. So it's it's really pretty cool. That is pretty you, cool. You do feel like a bird, or or you know, as if you're in a helicopter. They do have eyewear too, right? They have a. Uh, um. Yes. The, yeah. I haven't different... seen that in a while. I mean, I think that might be outdated now that you know now Inter- that now that the you can use your your smartphone or iPad. Is that how it works? The drone is literally syncs up. There's a little app and it syncs to your iPhone. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So you just look at your iPhone. You can see the point of view. Yeah. And you manipulate the camera from your phone, or do you have a you have a controller, right? Um, control. Yeah, the camera's done from the controller as well. All the flight maneuvers and the camera control. It actually just Which sounds can, like a lot more work for the photographer. So now not only he's got his, his pictures, but now he's got a drone. It's a lot more crap to keep track of. Yeah, a lot more <laughs> expense too. When you need, you know, when you need a backup helicopter, and yeah. Well, I'm sure that well, it's Nantucket, so you can bill for the drone, right? The drone's a different price. <laughs> uh, not exactly. Uh, well, maybe that's where we need to get to be, you know. Well, anyway, listen, man. Thanks for sitting down. Uh, I'm glad that I uh, look forward to. Kit and I have a project coming up, I think. Yeah. I didn't know if we were going to talk about that or not. Or we can talk keep about that, it. Keep that on the down low. We're, just, we're working on something that I'm very excited that you uh, reached out to me. Uh, we, we won't, we'll just tease him. It's, a short, it's going to be a short film. It'll be a short film. Uh, and uh, Doug will be handling the story, the story aspect of it. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll be handling all the visuals. But I'm excited to do that. So uh, Stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned, everyone. And uh, thanks for checking in to episode 26. Kit, thanks for taking the time to sit down. I appreciate you having me in. And be uh, my first guest of 2016. All right, that's a wrap. And there you have it, folks. Episode 26. Kit, thank you so much for sitting down on Inside the Whale. Great stories. Someone that's... uh, you know, he's been doing it. He's put in the time, apprenticed, and, uh, you know, worked his way up and uh, built his built his dream career. I think that's what uh, you can you can say, that he's got, got everything he wanted now. 
And he does, certainly, if uh, any of you guys have seen N Magazine, you've seen his work, and I think his work speaks for uh, himself, you know. He, he clearly has a great eye, and uh, he's a passionate photographer. Nantucket's lucky to have someone like him capturing the beauty. And, and I, I will say this, too, uh, Nantucket by Nature was is an amazing piece of work. And how about that for your first uh, film, your first foray into film, and you, and you knock it out of the park like that? Great job, Kit. You're the man. Thank you for sitting down, too. All right, guys, that's it. Episode 26 in the books, 2016. We're off. Thanks for checking back in, as always. Thanks for the click. And check in soon. we got a new episode coming up next week. We'll see you then. We'll make it.